0: Section eleven of A Cruise in an Opium Clipper by Lindsay Anderson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Section eleven, Chapters thirty four through thirty six. Chapter thirty four. We disembark at the Wrecker's Village. The Tootai and his secretary were now brought on deck and placed in the large launch of the receiving ship. The two captains and Mr. Eastervelt taking their places in the same boat accompanied by the shroff nealance and i were thus left in charge of the Emont's two boats receiving our orders of course from the boat containing the chiefs which led the way casting off from the eamont we followed in the wake of our leaders in single file along the western shore of the lagoon although this was in a direction that would take us a long way from the village whence we had taken our prisoners still it was on the side of the lagoon that was the nearest the scene of the wreck pulling in this direction for about five miles a pretty large village could be discerned right in the northwest corner of the lagoon and apparently about another five or six miles off the boats were kept going at a brisk pace the men relieving one another at the oars as occasion required so as not to tire them out as we neared the town or village THE NAME OF WHICH I AFTERWARDS FOUND WAS kempti yar PHONETICALLY RENDERED, AS IT WAS SPOKEN TO ME BY A NATIVE, LARGE BODIES OF MEN WERE SEEN AT ITS WESTERN EXTREMITY. THE LEADING BOAT STOPPED TO ALLOW US TO COME ALONGSIDE. NEALANCE AND I, WITH OUR TWO LIGHTER BOATS, WERE ORDERED TO PROCEED TO THE EASTERN EXTREMITY OF THE HOUSES, TO SEE WHAT SORT OF A LANDING COULD BE MADE THERE and thus possibly avoid a collision with the natives, if allowed peaceably to get on shore. The waving of the boat's ensign was to be our signal that all was right, and a rifle-shot from the captain's boat was our peremptory signal of recall. "'Mr. Nealance,' said our captain, "'pull along warily, keeping your eyes on the beach and about one hundred yards off, that is as far as their gingles will carry.' Then, when you see a nice place to land that will float this heavy launch, pull in and show your flag, and we will follow on. Shearing off, Nealance took the lead, closely followed by me in the lighter boat, and as we had not far to go, we allowed the men to pull at their generally accustomed pace. Nearing the village on an angle, till we were about one hundred and fifty yards off, we then directed our course parallel to the line of the beach, giving our men orders to dip deep with their oars so that we should not come to the ground too soon without knowing it passing the last substantial building on the east end of the village and seeing but a very few people about we turned the boats heads for the beach and pulled for the shore the men dipping their oars as deeply as they could as we took the ground about five fathoms from the beach there jumped up from behind a few bushes a party of natives in semi-military attire with a small battery of gingles fixed on bamboos and borne on the shoulders of stout vigorous-looking natives springing out of the boats into the water as we saw them applying their firelocks we made the broadside of the boats a target to receive their fire Our precaution was needless, for they had so fixed their gingles that their shot went whistling over our heads, and finally struck the water fully fifty yards beyond us. Before their shot had reached the water, we were running for the shore, sword and cutlass in hand, to cut them down before they could reload their gingles again. Firing our revolvers as we hastened up the beach, the natives dropped their battery and took to their heels as soon as those in the launch had seen and heard the reception we had met with the rifle-shot signal of recall was fired so after destroying their battery by cutting the lashings of the gingles and dragging them down into the water and there leaving them we returned to the launch for further orders a short parley was held and a plan of action decided on it being considered necessary for our own safety to show the natives our power and determination to avenge the murders of the preceding day the mandarin and his secretary were placed in a conspicuous position in the bows of the launch captains rooney and gulliver with the shroff taking up a position close to them with a loaded pistol in their hands to compel them to make signals to the people to make way for our landing or else we would make a way for ourselves by force of arms the launch now again took the lead steering for the western end of the village where a number of the inhabitants could be seen but their intentions of course were unknown as we neared the beach the mandarin and his secretary were ordered to stand up on the bow thwart and wave their sashes as a signal for the natives to fall back The crowd, as we approached the shore, gradually fell back amongst the huts and houses, whether in obedience to the Mandarin's signal and his gesticulations, or from fear of our rifles, is a doubtful question. At any rate we were allowed to land without any display of force such as we had experienced at the eastern end of the village. Captains Rooney and Gulliver and Mr. Eastervelt landed first, and, taking the Mandarin, his secretary and the Schroff along with them, proceeded up the first street or lane between the houses, closely followed by thirty men from the receiving ship's boats, headed by their two officers, while Nealance and I, with twenty of our men, brought up the rear, the rest of the men being left in charge of the boats, under a petty officer chapter thirty five the mandarin escapes we burn the village and return safely the captains having gone on while we were mustering our men had got a start of us of about two hundred yards Following smartly on in company with the receiving ship's men, in order to overtake them, we had scarcely got half-way up this street before we observed that the Mandarin and his secretary had given the captains the slip, and were fast making their way out of their reach. The captains abstained from firing on them, no doubt thinking they would be able to catch up with them, and none of us could fire, the captains being in the way. The mandarin and his secretary, no doubt well acquainted with the ins and outs of the village, doubled on them round a corner and up a narrow lane, got into a house, and were lost to us. When our forces arrived on the scene, the doors of the house were burst open, but after searching every cranny and corner, no mandarins were found. A torch was applied to the building, and in a few minutes it was all in a blaze in the heat of passion i suppose at losing the mandarin it was decided to burn the village down as the only means of avenging the murders the manila men were i might say let loose in one direction to fire the village while our people in the excitement of the moment eagerly started in another direction bent on the same purpose of destruction driving the natives young and old male and female from their habitations with as little violence as possible by our party at any rate we gave their houses to the flames while the owners were driven far enough into the woods beyond to ensure our safe return to the boats when the village had been destroyed for nearly four hours the work of destruction went on in some cases force had to be used to compel the occupants to leave their homes before the torch was ruthlessly applied all had thus to suffer for the guiltiness of a few more rapacious than the others for the world's goods war is the same all the world over whether miniature as this or on a large scale looting went on to a considerable extent not so much amongst our people however as amongst the manilamen who when we mustered on the beach were arrayed in garlands of such cash around their necks some of them carrying as much as they could conveniently stagger under Cash is the small change of the country, as it is in China, and is composed of coins of brass or iron, one inch in diameter, with a square hole in the center, generally carried on a string rove through the hole, somewhat near a thousand being equal to a Mexican dollar. In work of this description, it is impossible to keep your men wholly together, so that we arrived on the beach at the boat-landing in straggling parties the captains and officers were the first to arrive and as we discussed the destruction of Yar, no one seemed to have a feeling of regret for the many thus rendered homeless in the accomplishment of vengeance against possibly at most a dozen murderers all seemed to agree that it was a dire act of necessity to take summary vengeance on the miscreants, as a salutary lesson in civilization, and also as a warning for them, in the future, to keep from molesting the unfortunate shipwrecked mariners who might be cast away upon their shore. The sharp crack of a few minier rifles, which we fired from the boats, soon brought all our forces to the beach, after mustering and finding none missing we re-embarked on our respective boats and with a good swinging stroke to which no doubt hunger gave added force we started for the harbour one does not feel hunger while the excitement continues but when once it is gone and you are enabled to rest a bit then the region of the stomach begins to complain against the vacuum Arrived alongside the Emont, our captain invited Captain Rooney, Mr. Eastervelt, and the officers of the receiving ship on board, to dinner, an invitation which was cordially accepted, with the proviso that they should go on board the receiving ship first, and cleanse themselves from the smoke and dirt with which we were all well begrimed, looking very much like a lot of firemen returning from some gigantic warehouse fire the perilous events of the last two days had thus brought the feud between us and the receiving ship to an abrupt and pleasing close the sworn enemies of a week ago were now united in the bonds of the closest friendship and it had needed to be for we were not entirely done with the natives yet Some settlement would have to be come to, before we could in honour sail away and leave Captain Rooney, brave as he was, alone in the midst of so much disturbance. As soon as the receiving ship's boats had departed, our two cutters came alongside and were hoisted in. Grog was served out all round, and the people dismissed to refresh the inner man, as well as to cleanse themselves. The boarding-nettings were triced up, and armed sentries posted, some twenty feet apart, all round the ship, to guard against any surprise from the lagoon or the shore. As soon as the duty of the ship permitted, Nealance and I followed the example of Captain Gulliver in having a good bath and then getting inside more respectable clothing before sitting down to dinner we had not long to wait before our friends from the receiving-ship arrived, when we all sat down to a sumptuous meal, specially prepared, in honour of the day's proceedings. Talk went on in a vivacious manner, each one relating his experiences of the day for the edification of the others, for in the destruction of so large a village we were necessarily very much divided and apart from one another. The officers of the receiving ship had a very difficult task in keeping their Manila men from uselessly imbruing their hands in the blood of the fleeing natives. Had the Manila men been allowed to have their will, the slaughter would have been vastly augmented. While we were seated at table, the captain of the brig arrived on board and was invited to join us he did not sit down at the table with the bonhomie of former visits but seemed constrained and as if he were sitting down amongst uncanny people he knew but little of what had occurred during the previous two days he of course saw the dutch schooner drive out of the harbour but he only knew of her wreck from a garbled account given him by some fishermen when informed by us of all that had transpired he greatly applauded us and wished we had sent for him to join in the expedition captains gulliver and rooney however advised him as his vessel was unarmed to keep as neutral as he could till he got loaded and away for there was no knowing what the natives might yet resort to in return for the punishment inflicted on them that day the substantial portion of the dinner over we all adjourned to the deck in order the better to enjoy the captain's best wine and cigars and while away the hours till it was time to seek repose while we were gaily spending our evening about ten p m shouts were heard from the shore from some one evidently in great peril in a minute the captain's gig was in the water and manned nealance taking charge reached the beach in a twinkling and received into the boat a gentleman in the garb of a priest who solicited protection in a very anxious tone chapter thirty six a jesuit missionary seeks refuge with us tells of hostile intentions against us we resolve to negotiate the boat was soon alongside again the priest shown up the gangway and conducted to the quarter-deck where he received a gracious though wondering reception from those assembled there with an appealing glance around him he asked if any one could speak spanish fortunately mr Eastervelt was a fair spanish scholar and soon gleaned from the priest what he was who he was and where he came from the priest was a jesuit missionary who had been laboring for some years amongst the natives up the country to convert them to his faith that day he was traveling from an up-station down to Kemptiyar when he met the fleeing natives in the woods beyond the village they were so exasperated at what had befallen them that it was with great difficulty that he escaped with his life had it not been for one of their headmen whom he had cured of a severe illness he would not have got away as he did this headman had also told him that they would gather all the fighting men from the country round and come down and massacre the whole of the european barbarians in the place he had gleaned from this headman, as he conducted him to a place of safety, from whence he was enabled to proceed to the harbour and take refuge with us, that the mandarin of the villages situated on both sides of the lagoon had held a council after the destruction of Kemptiar, de and had sent off express messengers to the emperor at Twain beseeching his help to drive the barbarians of the west out of the harbour the priest was in a terrible state of excitement when he first came on board and seemed rather inclined to blame our chief for proceeding to such extremities his cloth of course protected him from any retort on the part of the two captains on whom rested the responsibility of the day's doings he was likewise a stranger in a very strange land and he would have needed to be censorious indeed ere either captain gulliver or rooney would have refused him their best protection and most hospitable entertainment a table was improvised on the skylight and a goodly repast placed before the priest of which he was cordially invited to partake as soon as his inner man had been replenished to his satisfaction mr Eastervelt related to him all the proceedings of the previous day the wreck and the murders the capturing of the tutai and our endeavours to find the actual murderers and how our plans had been frustrated by the escape of the tutai and his secretary Knowing nothing of this, till informed by Mr. Eastervelt, he gracefully apologised for his first hasty words of censure to the two captains, who smilingly accepted his apology, and thanked him for the information he had brought of the intentions of the hostile natives. The intelligence we had derived from the priest made our situation look rather grave, the male inhabitants of Kemptyar alone were said to be seven thousand, and there were several villages on the lagoon equally as large, if not larger. Our captain did not seem appalled or dismayed at the intelligence. The receiving ship and the Emont were well armed, and had abundance of ammunition, as well as a goodly stock of provisions, and we should be able to stand a siege of a month or two's duration of course captain gulliver had he so minded could have at once proceeded to sea and left captain rooney to settle with the natives but besides that such a line of conduct would have been scarcely fair to our comrades of the two days proceedings it was necessary for our resumption of trade with the natives on a future trip that some settlement should be arrived at IT WAS THEREFORE DECIDED AMONGST THE CAPTAINS, EASTERVELT, AND THE SPANIARD, THAT AN ATTEMPT AT NEGOTIATION SHOULD BE MADE WITH THE TUTAI, OR MANDARIN, OF THE VILLAGE ON THE SOUTH SIDE OF THE LAGOON. THE PRIEST, ACCOMPANIED BY TWO OF OUR Schroffs, proceeding TO THE VILLAGE IN THE MORNING WITH A SUFFICIENT NUMBER OF ARMED MEN AS ESCORT, SHOULD VIOLENT ACTION BE RESORTED TO ON THE PART OF THE NATIVES. THE PRIEST STIPULATING WITH THE CAPTAINS THAT FORCE ON OUR SIDE SHOULD ONLY BE USED AS A LAST RESORT. THIS LINE OF ACTION WAS AGREED TO, AND THE DELIBERATIONS OVER, THE SITUATION ENDED FOR THE NIGHT. THE RECEIVING SHIP'S BOAT WAS MANNED, AND OUR VISITORS RETURNED ON BOARD THEIR VESSEL, TAKING WITH THEM THE SPANIARD, WHO SEEMED WISHFUL TO BE WITH MR. Eastervelt, WHO COULD TALK HIS OWN LINGO. The captain of the brig departed for his own vessel, and after we had seen to the careful keeping of strict watch on board the Emont, we all retired to seek repose, excepting, of course, the officer of the watch. The first watch being kindly taken by Mister Jewell to allow of Nealance and the writer getting a rest after the exciting events of the day. End of section eleven.